All right, everyone. Happy holidays. It's David. I'm, I'm here with Troy, who's from the U.S. Uh, and uh, Troy, why don't you let us know what you want to talk about today? Okay. So I'm, I currently work for a business and it's, uh, we do equip, uh, equipment rental. So tractors, excavators, that kind of a thing. Okay. I've, I started working for the company back in June of 2012. So over 10 years now. I've gone and done other things. I've gone and worked in, for the federal government doing all sorts of things. Um, but it's a business I've always, I always keep coming back to because I absolutely love the business. Mm -hmm. um, the current owner started the business after he retired and he's been running it for the last 10 years. And uh, a couple of years ago, he approached me saying that he's interested in retiring mm -hmm. and that, you know, he'd like to have the business go on, stay with the employees and not go to some, corporation somewhere uh, okay. something definitely interested me like that's you know it's an opportunity i've always thought of in the back of my mind is like when he retires you know i'd want to be a part of that um that transition and it's he's starting to talk about it now and it's something that of all the employees that are there i'm one of the only ones that's actually expressed a solid interest in pursuing the business um, okay. so we've started started those conversations of if i was to buy the business from him or take over in some capacity is trying to figure out, okay, how does, how does that actually, does that work? It's a great idea, but how do you make it work? Uh, and, and the, you're the, uh, an expert in that regards. So that, you know, talking to you about some of those things that I've been, last time I talked to the owner about six months ago, um, he told me that to go write a business plan, that was his challenge to me. I was like, I had to write one when I started. If you want to take over this, go write one. And, you know, when you're done, talk, you know, come back. And so I've, I've got a, a, a solid start on it and I've been working with various local uh, small de de um, development centers in the area. Okay. Um, getting that plan. And uh, I presented it to him last week as, and we were starting to go over it together. It's like, oh, you're looking, you know, what did he, how, what did his look like when he made it 10 years ago versus as a startup? And then now it's a, as a, a going concern, I wouldn't call it a small business. I'd say more is like the bottom end of a medium-sized business. Mm -hmm. um, this year, we uh, in November, we finally broke a million dollars in revenue for gross sales. Okay. So we're in the, a little more of the the big end of small and the small end of medium. Um, so it's a uh, yeah, it's like start with a business plan, and it's lately we've been trying to figure out the expenses side of it. I was like, okay, you know, he no. hasn't. Been, he hasn't kept the best track of everything. He's very old school. It's all all his bookkeeping's pen and paper. There's there's no computer program behind it. It's oh, all wow. based on, on what he uh, he feels the numbers are. If he feels like it costs twenty thousand, then it costs twenty thousand, whether it was accurate or not. Uh, so okay. it's been a fun, a fun adventure uh, trying to work through with him on some things. It's like okay, you know, kind of take what he says with a grain of salt sometimes. It's like okay, did it did it actually cost that much? Um, but it's a, he's been laughing lately is trying to no, noticing. It's like, oh, when I had to do this, I had to make it all up. And now you've got actual numbers to play with. Okay. So, so tell us about the business. What, what do you guys do there? Um, so we rent um, small and medium sized equipment. We don't get anything bigger than what you can tow. Uh, an average homeowner can tow with like a three quarter ton truck. Okay. So it's all, we don't get into big, anything over about 10,000 pounds. So it's all you know, like lawn and garden stuff, tractors, excavators, trailers. One, one thing that we do a lot of is trailers. we got horse trailers. The only rental yard that I know of that rents out a horse trailer. Okay. Um, so our, it's, our, like, 
like little mini excavators and uh and uh, uh those uh augers for post holes yep. and that kind of stuff okay yeah the the stuff for like small contractors homeowners um our focus is on on the as the my the my um the owner calls he calls it the little guy he doesn't doesn't want to focus try and deal with you know compete with the national chains because they've all forgotten about the little guy and that's his focus is you know, the, the, you know, we, we ran out like a hammer. I mean, Sunbelt or United Rentals not going to run out a hammer. We're happy to rent someone a hammer, a handsaw, something little, because we know that eventually they'll come back for something bigger. Okay. Um, so we deal in like the, the small stuff, but also in variety. That's our, we have a little bit of everything. And people always come in, it's like, you've got a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, we, uh, we've got just so much unique variety that that's our, you know, our bread and butter that keeps people coming back and come to us because they call us like, you might have this. And we call us, you have this? Oh yeah, we've got it. You do? Like, yeah, we, we're a rental yard. We have it. And they're so, always stocked as what we have. So how, so there must be some computerization of, of the yeah. actual rental and customer accounts yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That side is all the revenue side is all, uh, we have a nice point of sale system that, um, so I like all the revenue numbers I can, I've data mined our, our revenue numbers. I figured out everything I can f- pull out of that computer system. Cause that's, I help, I run that side of it. Okay. So and so these... when you talk about the expenses, tell me about the types of issues you're having in understanding what the expenses would be. Um, so there's some of it that based on like just watching how much he spends on random stuff. It's like, I feel like there's a lot of, not, I'd call it waste in the business of him trying to, his number one fear is paying taxes. Oh, yeah. that, you know, I, so, I've met him or his, and his friends before. Um, two years ago, he had a problem. At the end of the year, he had to figure out how to spend $200,000 in 30 days. He bought everything he could get his hands on because he didn't want to pay taxes because the last year he tried to roll some over and had to pay $13,337 in taxes and is still sore about it. So it's uh, some of like going through those expenses and looking at it saying, okay. So what, did some he, that I what know, kind of stuff did he buy? Uh, just, he bought like a, a reader board sign for, pay way too much for it, but he'd always wanted one. We've never had a call for one. We've never had any interest in right. Um, But he spent $15,000 because he thought it was cool. And so, he didn't want to pay taxes on it. So let me ask you a question then. If he, if yeah. he bought a reader board sign and these things last many years. Yeah. He paid fifteen thousand for it. Did he put it then into his books as an expense, like a small tool, like a hand tool, or did he properly capitalize it and make it part of his furniture, fixtures, and equipment, and then depreciate it over a given number of years? Half and half, I would guess, because um, there's a lot of things. Because we have a weird set of tax rules in the state that I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, they've just passed a new. It's the heavy equipment rental tax. So it's a sales tax. We don't have a traditional sales tax, but okay. they've added a sales tax for rental. Um, and it's based upon gross sales, but also we also have a secondary tax that's based on the value that's put into the computer. And it's like their depreciation schedule is an absolute nightmare. So the more, the more, the bigger the value he puts in when he buys it, the more he has to pay. And so there's a lot of things that we have in the yard that aren't officially on the books because it doesn't want to pay taxes on them. And that would be one of those things that's, I'm guessing the accountant recorded it so he could write it off at the end of the year. But in our point of sale system that does all of the taxes are based off of, mm-hmm. doesn't it's not counted. Yeah. So 
So what this means is that a lot of the expense lines in the PL that relate to um, you know, small tools or equipment purchases or depreciation, all of that stuff probably doesn't really mean anything. Some of it, yeah. It's it's I as I told my business advisor, some of it's kind of a, a mess. But mm-hmm. he's running the business as a hobby, a very big hobby, but he runs it as a, as if it's a, his own, it's his little personal hobby. He's not running. I wouldn't see him considering him running it as a business. He's okay. always working in it and not on it. So, so let me ask you another question. Is there an accurate list of all of the items that the business owns with some sort of approximation of what those things are worth? Yes. Cause I've made it cause I was curious. And I'm the only okay. one that has it because he doesn't, it's not something he's, he, he tracks, but I was curious when exit, if I don't know it exists, I can't rent it. Right. I can't make money off of things that don't exist. Um, so I, I have a list that has a scary number of items on it that aren't in the computer system. Okay. So, so for the purposes of your business plan and even for the purposes of, you know, having an idea what this business might be worth, mm-hmm. what, what you need because this business makes its living by buying capital equipment, yeah, renting it out. That capital equipment must be acquired. It must be turned over. The old things get sold. New things get bought. Right. Yeah. And, and all of if you look at a normal way that we value businesses using EBITDA or SDE, that depreciation mm. gets added back. Yeah. Because the notion of using SDE or EBITDA comes from the idea that you have a business that doesn't have a lot in the way of capital equipment. Like if you had a little corner store, mm-hmm. retail store, capital equipment is not a huge thing. But in yeah. your, your entire business is capital equipment. And that yeah. stuff has to be bought with, mm-hmm. real, with real money. Yeah. So now that you have this list of all the stuff the business owns, mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's a big number like a million bucks worth of stuff. What would it be? Um, I mean, I would say probably closer to two, two and a half. Okay. Uh, depends on if you know. It's weird because of where the market is right now. Everything's worth way more than what it was two or three years ago. Oh, because of the shortages and everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, some of the stuff that we paid, like a dump trailer, we paid five thousand dollars for our first one two years ago. Last year, we paid eleven. This year we just paid fourteen five, exact same trailer. Yeah. Okay. Um, so trying to get a value on it, it's like you would go off the current market or what I feel like it's like going to be worth in a year when the market goes right back down where it should be. Um, so it's, I mean, a year, two years ago when we started talking, um, me and the owner, we figured it was about a million and a half to two. Okay. Um, and now that it's, you know, where it is right now, it would probably cost you north of 3 million to replace it all. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's. And so now this is the second big question. So you think the stuff might be worth about 3 million. Here's yeah. the second big question on average. And I know this is going to vary, but on average, yeah. what would be the life expectancy or the rate of turnover? Let's call it for the stuff the business owns. I'd say about five, six years. Okay. So every every six years, every five years, or let's use five because it's a rounder number. Yeah. Uh, every five years, that $3 million worth of capital stuff has to be turned over. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be spending 600 grand a year on stuff. 
Yeah. Okay. So there's some that's got longer, some that's shorter, but there's a lot of things that we still have that should have been turned over five years ago. That's, uh, you know, getting a little bit on the war outside. Um, okay. But it's, I'd say five to 10, depending upon what it is. So if, if, um, if you, if you were to use, if you were to take out the small tool expenses, the depreciation, the finance finance charges, because you probably have some some equipment that you've leased and things like that to finance them over time. If you took out all of those equipment related expenses and you just put one big expense called uh, you know fleet turnover six hundred grand, mm-hmm. would that make sense? Okay. As an as an annual budget of what you need to spend to be replacing stuff. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it, it, if you it, spend six hundred grand a year, you would turn over all three million dollars worth of stuff every five years. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, and that's the way you need to think about it in a business like this, mm-hmm. because there will be yes, there's going to be some item you have that's hardly ever used, and it'll be twenty years old, and you'll still be using it. And then there's other things that are going to get a lot of wear and tear, and you're going to realize after twenty four months, you better sell it and replace it. Because it's starting yeah. to get a little loose and and you know rattle too much and and it's yeah. going to fall apart soon, right? Yeah. And and yeah. So, as far as valuation for this kind of business, um, you can't value this business based on SDE or EBITDA. Okay. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to figure out is how do you value it in something that's so asset heavy and not. Yeah. You know, so. Asset-heavy businesses are valued in multiples of EBIT, which is earnings before interest and taxes. And so the companies that, the business types that fall into this category include things like uh, long-haul trucking companies Mm -hmm. or or foundation builders, like where they have a lot of heavy, big, you know, dump trucks, high hose, that kind of stuff, excavators, Mm -hmm. uh, payloaders. And um, believe it or not, even things like grocery stores. Like uh, a grocery store, if you think about a big chain grocery store, that every ten years or so they'll like totally renovate themselves, Re- yeah. replacing the flooring and the exhibits and the displays and the, w- the wall decor, and you know they they've got to replace compressors all the time and things like that. So huge capital expenditure goes into those types of businesses too. Yeah. And so, so basically, what it does is it allows for that budget to be in there as an expense for replacing the fleet of equipment. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about let's talk about this business at hand. Um, what sort of cash flow is here? Um, so like gross receipts wise or well, so you just said you hit a million dollars in, in revenue mm-hmm. and then you have other expenses which are pretty pretty clear, like labor and power bill and advertising and the rent and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. after after all those things that must be paid are paid, what what is left over? Uh, you, and you had you had shared some stuff with me too. Yeah. But I wonder I, if I could just share the document so we can both look at it. Yeah. Um, I have to give you permission for that just a second. There you go. Should be better at running Zoom. Oh, there's there it is. It finally came through.
Okay, it's just going to take a moment, I think, to appear for me. There you go. I can. Uh, I see a. I see a white screen. Okay. There. All right. So I see your different revenue. I see your costs. What's merchandise? Is that the things you sell? Yes, we sell like trailer parts and gloves and like safety gear and sandpaper, like the, the stuff that goes along like PPE and that that's okay. needed to be able to use some of the equipment. Okay. So let's so then you have uh things related to your building, and then you have there's an interest line. So that's that's one of the things we'll want to take out. Okay. What's that third column? Is that the add back column? Yeah. Okay, so it's been taken out. No, so there's, uh, I can actually do something. Make it easier to see. Yeah, so there's annual, like the, the total for the year, the ad backs, and then whatever would be on the other side. Um, and okay. so the, just so you understand what the, to look, you're looking at. So the green numbers are ones that are, I would say, are accurate. Okay. Yellow is a solid guess and white is a wild guess of just like some, oh. a number I'm working with of ones that I don't, I haven't nailed down an exact amount. Okay. So you got taxes in there. So the purple personal property tax, that's what you're talking about. The state's charging you a fee on the value of the equipment that's in the yard. Yeah. And there were, so we're only allowed, there's a, Yeah. There's a based on the the value and it's it's up to the per, the owner of the business to put a value on it and so most of the other rental yards in the area say everything's worth a buck and their entire inventory is worth a hundred thousand dollars when they have three million sitting out back. Oh, okay. Um, so everyone's spoiling for a fight with an auditor. Oh, uh, yeah. It's um, because the the hurt tax uh, is a new thing that's that they came out because people were playing that game. And so they go, okay, if you aren't going to value your assets on what they should be, we're going to base it off of gross receipts and you can just pay us 2% of your, or two and a half percent of your gross receipts, regardless of what you own. Um, and so now that the state's getting their money, but the county is still charging personal property tax. Okay. All right. Uh, I, can, I can see why this is becoming a bookkeeping like nightmare for you. Oh, it's... The the uh, um, listening to like your podcast of like the talking about the different games business owners play. Mm -hmm. The guy that I work for has played every game in the book and then some um, to try and dodge taxes, hide things. Uh, I, I mean, as a bank, if I was looking at it from a banker's perspective, I wouldn't want to touch it with a ten foot pole as it sits right now because it would just be like you said. Anyone trying to come in and do an audit or an evaluation would uh, have a tough time of it. I wouldn't envy their job. So depreciation is added back. Payroll, it, you pretty much know is a solid number. Electricity, internet, these are easy to figure out because they're monthly fees, right? Mm -hmm. uh, cell phone, you've got 1,000 added back. That's a guesstimate of like what personal use or something. And Yeah, so he has, there's like company phones, but then like his entire family is also on the phone plan. Right. So it's probably more than, it's probably closer to 2,000 than 1,000. And then you've got vehicle with a small ad back. Okay, so let's keep scrolling down. 
but I did split the expenses up into fixed ones that don't vary. Mm -hmm. um, expenses that vary directly with revenue, like credit card processing fees are 1.8% of credit cards transactions. Yeah. But the taxes vary directly with revenue. Um, then if flexible expenses and ops, I just was my like thought process of how to look at the expenses. Okay. And then I see here there's equipment payments. So is that lease payments on uh, some of the bigger items? Um, so we don't lease anything. We um, He's paid either cash for everything or has like 0% loans through Kubota. Mm -hmm. um, so there's only eight pieces of equipment that are actually financed. The rest is all paid. Okay. So so I would put that into the add back column as well for the purpose of determining EBIT. Okay. Yep. Um, Okay, and then you have the then you have the owner's salary, and so <clears throat> is does he work full time? Yeah, so this number would be what I would pay myself running it. Currently, he doesn't take a salary. Okay, so I would take that <clears throat> take it out of the add back column. Okay. Yeah, delete that, and then you've got some other things here that <clears throat> you're adding back charity. What, what's that equipment purchases? You've only got 25,000 added back. Why Why not all of it? Um, because I consider some of the purchases he does for the business to be valid, good business purchases. And some of the stuff he buys is just junk because it's a good deal and we'll never actually use it. It's like, I would okay. consider it stuff that he's bought for him personally under the business. Okay. and and But this does contain items that are going to be part of the rental fleet. Yes, correct. Okay. So so you add back the entire amount. Okay. Yeah. Because the part that's his personal stuff, well, that money would normally be available for business purposes, right? Mm -hmm. And and the part that is available that was actually made for proper business purchases, we're going to account for that in our budget, our if our fleet turnover budget. So okay. so we're going to add back that entire amount. Okay. Okay. And then tool purchases, that's tools that you guys are going to rent out? Yes, yeah, so I did, yeah, so I, I added that whole number back in as well because I had split okay. out the junk. And what is the in parts inventory? Um, so parts, so there's like sometimes like we order parts directly from a machine when it breaks. And sometimes he just orders a bunch of parts just to have them in inventory so that if someday we might need them, we have them. And is it well organized, or have you ever owned something and still ordered one in any way? Oh, every day. There's, there's the organizational systems uh, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Okay, and are you in Timbuktu? Like, does it take a long time to get parts, or is everything like next day FedEx? Uh, it's we can most things. We if it's available, it's we're, we can get stuff pretty quickly. There's a lot of warehouses that are only a couple hours away that we get most of our inventory our parts from. Okay. So does it make sense for you to have a, a local inventory? Some things, yes, but probably not nearly what we do. That there's a lot of stuff that we could order it and have it there the next day. It's his way of he thinks everything's going to go up in price so much. He wants to buy it now so he can get it cheaper than if he has to buy it later. Oh, so he's he's investing in machine parts as an inflation hedge. Exactly. Uh, he, he thinks the second Great Depression is coming in the next couple of years and is 
trying to buy anything and everything now. And so that if we can't get it later, we have it. There's some things that if we can't get it, a machine goes down, um, then it's lost revenue. So there's some things that make sense to like, if it's mission critical to keeping a machine running to, to have it on hand. Okay. So <clears throat> do you, so here's, here's the thing with this inventory is that mm -hmm. once the inventory has been established and you have one of every mission critical part, yeah. As, as you use that part, you then replace it in the inventory. Yes. So okay. if the inventory already exists and it includes what you need and it's big enough, yeah. then, then it, these inventory purchases should not be part of the expenses of the business. Right? Okay. What, what the original inventory investment was made at some point in the past yeah. Yeah, And now whenever you use one of those parts, you buy another one, but the acquisition of that new part should be part of the cost of goods sold. It should, it, it oh, doesn't, okay. it's, it's not this added investment every year to grow the inventory every year by $10,000. Gotcha. That right? makes sense. So, yeah. so this parts inventory thing, I would add the whole thing back. Okay. And I could move it up under cogs then. Well, whatever amount would annually be flowing through would be part of COGS. Okay. I have that under, where is it? Like uh, here, uh, replacement parts for like ones that break, that we're replacing it on a machine. I guess that's because some of those do come out of inventory because they're ones that break regularly. Yeah. So if you know that every year you're buying $50,000 worth of parts to keep the $3 million worth of stuff going, then then yeah. that $50,000 expense is just, you just leave it like that. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's go back down where we were. Okay. Um, okay. So you added the inventory parts back. What's this company lunch food? Um, he buys us lunch every day. Okay. So it's part of the compensation. Yeah, because you know wages where I'm at aren't aren't the best. Um, so that's part of his, you know, keeping everyone happy and functioning. And there's a lot of times we're busy enough we, it's hard to go take lunch. So yeah, he right. buys lunch pretty much every day. And um, so I see you have thirty thousand added back. Is that because you don't want to do that when you were in the business? Uh I mean, I'm not. I haven't just in some of it. I think is of that 30 is valid that he's actually spending on lunches. Um, but I think also a, a lot of that is above and beyond that. I'm not sure that it's directly going to lunch that it may be personal. Cause I mean, I've, I, a lot of the time doing the ordering for lunch and I would say we're closer to like 50 bucks a day. Um, his estimates is closer to a hundred bucks a day, but I don't remember ever ordering a hundred dollars worth of food. Right. And so that was a, that was a debate we had the other day, and that's what I was talking about earlier. Is that some of the expenses I think come down to what he feels something cost him versus what it actually did. Um, so this because fifty five thousand dollars a year would be a hundred dollars a week, close to. Yeah, a hundred dollars a day. No, hundred dollars a week because there's fifty two weeks in a year. Oh, gotcha. So if it's $250 a week, then it's what? There's a number in my head, but I don't believe it. Well, because if I get 250 
dollars a week times fifty two, I get thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. Yeah. So if you do, I so I was just doing a hundred dollars a day times three hundred and sixty days equals thirty six thousand. Well, there's there's two hundred and fifty work days in a year if you take out the statutory. Oh, we're, se we're seven days a week. Oh, you're seven days a week. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, so 365 times 50 is 18,250. But how many days a year are you closed? 10 or 12 holidays, maybe? Uh, so the thing with holidays with our business is that that's when we're busy is because everyone else is off. Right. Um, so we close for like a week at Christmas and that's it. Okay. So you're open 359 days. Is that what you said? Yeah, roughly. That's that's why I went to like 350 and, you know, out of the... Okay. So so if it's 350 days times $50 a day, that's 17.5. Yeah. So that's where I would say it's closer to 17. He says it's closer to 35. Just depends upon whether you do 50 a day or 100 a day. Okay. So so we need to make an add back adjustment then because your your 5,000 isn't enough. Yeah, your ad back is too uh, too aggressive. I need to add, and then you have something called employee problems. What is that? Um, he's had well, so we have a couple of employees that I would have gotten rid of a long time ago mm -hmm. um, that are costing the company. He's had to buy, last year he had to buy a brand new Subaru Legacy because one of the drivers ran it over because he wasn't paying attention. Um, this year he had to buy a uh, an old Dodge 2500 because uh, another employee totaled out that one. Um, so it's some of the stuff that he's, he's spent a, uh, a lot of money fixing things that are, you know, taking care of covering up problems that, that the employees have caused that probably would have got could have gone on insurance or something else. Okay. Um, just, just, it's, it's probably should, I mean, he's spent a lot more than that, but it's some of the things that he's, it was just a way of trying to figure out some of the things he's been spending funds on that are, you know, what bucket do they go in? Okay. And then you have, so that we get down to the bottom here, mm -hmm. we're left with, and so, so we're left with a number that is the EBIT, not EBITDA or SDE. So, okay. and that would be which column? The, the 319,000. Yeah. So, change the label from SDE to EBIT. Okay. And, and then just for comparison's sake, your average. You know, one of the rules of thumb for long distance trucking companies, for example, is that they will sell for about five times EBIT. So about five times your $320,000 uh, gives a, a close to 1.6 million. Yeah. So except, except that's not EBIT because we haven't put in our expense yet for the fleet replacement. Okay. So we need to add another expense for stuff, for acquiring stuff. Mm -hmm. And you had said that that should be 600,000 a year.
Nope, that didn't work. Okay, where did I, how did I mess it up? You didn't. That's perfect. So oh, so so under his column, you should have put it as zero, and under your under your adjustment, you should have put it as a negative six hundred thousand. Oh, okay. Zero. Yeah. There you go. So on EBIT basis, the business loses money. So <laughs> that surprised me. So so then, then we have to ask a big question because we made a huge assumption. We made an assumption that the three million dollars worth of stuff had to be replaced every five years. Yeah. So this could very well be incorrect. Maybe an accurate number would be like seven and a half. Right. So so in your um, in your your cell there, we have the negative three hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. Why don't we put um, a formula? Let's put. Uh, negative and then uh, negative open bracket three million and then divide by the slash seven point five and close the bracket. Okay. So if we replace the fleet every seven and a half years, our our fleet replacement budget is four hundred grand a year. Okay. On an EBIT basis, we're still losing money. We're still at negative 80. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So, so th then, therefore, you have this question of, can stuff last even longer? Seven and a half years is a pretty long time. Yeah. Right? Um, he's had this business for over 10 years. Uh, 14. For 14 years. So part of the reason why he has this extra cash available is that some of the equipment he's not paying for cash. Because you, you had in there that he had $90,000 a year of payments on equipment, even though it was a 0% interest, right? Yes. So some of his fleet is being is being uh, replaced over time, mm -hmm. right? Is everything else kind of getting older? So sometimes he'll sell something and then buy another one and he'll just take the money from the sale plus mm -hmm. um, you know, cash and then just go buy a new one. Okay, so when he sells an old item, what percentage of the new item is typically covered by the sale of the old item? Um... I'd say about half. Oh, yeah? On okay. average. So if that's the case, then we need to we need to work on our fleet replacement costs here a little bit more. If if okay. if it turns out the old assets are covering half the cost of the new acquisitions, right? So we've got you got 1.5 million in there divided by seven and a half. Yeah, I was just I was wanted to see what it, how it would adjust the the EBIT. Oh, okay. So so let's change it back to three million. Let's do a three million and let's divide it by six. Yeah, and then outside the bracket, um, divide that by two. Let's see what this does for us. So now it's saying that we need to, it's going to be an expense of 250,000. So let me ask you this though. 
when he sells a piece of gear, is that money ending up in your revenues? Like if like if he was going to sell an old trailer, I have I, I have seen it show up, but I've also seen it not. Because um, I can go back into the like the revenue side of it, and I'll see some years where there's a like a line item will show up in the the you know the different buckets from like the revenue accounts will, will show up like as a a sale of some used piece of gear. And that I used to see that more, and in recent years, I have not seen that line that that line item show up. So I don't know exactly. So it's not it. I, I mean, the money's got to go somewhere, but it doesn't show up in the in the like the point of sale system. Okay, I mean, he could be selling stuff and getting the money, and then he goes and buys stuff. And and if he's doing these transactions with cash, yeah, then it may not be it may be showing up in a lower purchase price on the item ultimately, because if he brings half the money to buy the thing in cash, they might be giving him an invoice for less. There's all kinds of things that could be happening. Um, oh, yeah. he, he could be recording it in such a way, just not going in the POS system. Right? Yeah. He, he could be marking it down some other way that it's getting recorded as proceeds from disposition of, of equipment. We don't know, but I'll tell you, this is something you have to know. Yeah because it's going to play a big impact on this because if, if the proceeds of the dis uh, of the sale of this old equipment are in these revenue numbers, then what we just did is we've double counted that revenue. Okay. I've heard you talk about that a few times. Okay. Um, be, be, because we've just discounted our budget by half, assuming we're going to collect half the money from the sale of stuff. But if that income is already included in these revenue numbers, we've, we've just screwed ourselves. I don't think it is. Um, I, I don't think so either. Because <laughs> um, I know where, like, if you go back up this 1. You know, 1.1 million that's here, yeah. is our revenue numbers from this year. And I know that there none of that is from anything being sold. Okay. Well, that that gives me confidence then that yeah that it, I I was feeling that way. Yeah. Since we're since we're using feelings for this exercise, um, a lot of that with, <laughs> with the, uh, in this uh, transaction I'm I'm working on. It's uh, there's a uh, okay. So what what's truth and what's a uh, a guess? Okay. So so then in this example, what we have is we have. Um, an EBIT now of $69,000. Mm -hmm. And if, and if we say that the business is worth five times EBIT, that means this business is worth 347,000. Okay. And of course, if there's $3 million worth of stuff, how can the business be worth 347,000? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the big question. Now everyone wants to ask. Yeah. And the, the, the answer comes from this. It, it comes from the fact that, what we're looking at is an instance where $3 million has been invested in stuff, but you're not able to generate a sufficient yield from the operation of the business. Yeah. Right. And, and so in the case of almost every tool rental business I've ever looked at with anyone, what ends up happening is they end up selling for some function of what the stuff is worth and it's almost always discounted. Yeah. So that it makes sense for the buyer to buy it. Yeah. 
knowing that they're going to have to replace most of it within the next five to 10 years. Well, it's it's not just that. It's that oftentimes these fleets get a lot of stuff in them that doesn't rent out very often. And so you have a thing in there that's worth a thousand bucks, let's say, and it's been yeah. rented out a few times. It's generated maybe a hundred dollars worth of revenue over five years, but it's still yeah. worth it's still worth a thousand bucks, right? But it yeah. doesn't generate any revenue. So a highly organized owner of a business like this would realize, or they would run some kind of report. What objects do I own that are not generating any revenue? Yeah, and then and then they would they would get rid of them. Yes, <laughs> they would they would sell them to put the money into things that do generate revenue. Yes, but if you're not properly organized with the right computer systems, then you don't you can't easily identify the things that aren't generating any revenue. Yeah, and that's how you end up with such a huge amount of stuff because. Because if he, if let's say a quarter, let's say a third of the stuff, so a million dollars worth of the stuff, let's say, was hardly ever rented. Yeah. He could sell that million dollars worth of stuff and the revenue here would be the same. The 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 yeah. earnings would be the same. Yeah. So he could pocket a million bucks by selling stuff and then still the business would be worth the same amount. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and this is where the lack of organization costs people in business. Yeah. Especially a equipment or capital intensive businesses. And so obviously you can't pay $3 million for this thing. Yeah. Right. Yes. Because if you had to make a finance payment out of that 69,000, I mean, you're already paying yourself 70 grand and there's 69,000 left over after you've done your fleet replacement, Mm -hmm. uh, like taxes are going to eat up most of that money. Right, because because the fleet replacement expenses that are capitalized are part of the profit. So you're going to have income taxes to pay. Do you understand what I just said? Mostly. Okay, so so if you buy an item for a thousand dollars, okay, and then you're able to depreciate it ten percent in the first year. Mm-hmm. Then of that thousand dollar purchase, nine hundred dollars is going to be in your profit that's taxable. Okay. Because only the amount that you depreciated is actually expensed in that period. Okay. Now, in recent years, there have been all kinds of different ways for people to accelerate depreciation. Mm-hmm. To buy something for a thousand bucks and then depreciate the whole thing or almost all of it or whatever. Though understanding those peculiarities is a conversation with a CPA. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you have to understand, is this something I'm going to be able to do? I understand some of those accelerated depreciation things had to do with the, the Trump tax uh, reforms. Mm-hmm. And some of them may have, have time limits on them. Yeah. Where they're going to expire and, and you won't be able to do them anymore. So, so that would be critical for you to understand the rules around this for this business. Yeah. Right. Um. But if you were going to finance the purchase of this business and continue to re- replace the fleet, your finance charges have to be something you can afford. And with only $69,000 of cash flow there, you're not going to be able to afford to finance anything. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because it uh, doesn't leave you what, like 5000 a month. 5000 Yeah. And, and what I'm saying is in all likelihood, that money will be taken by the tax man. Yes. Right. Yeah. So 
So what kind of arrangement have you been working with him on? Uh, Nish, um, he's been talking about wanting, being able to finance the, like do a lot, you know, seller financing with mm -hmm. it. Because um, he doesn't want to get, a, you know, a massive sum of money in one shot and then have to pay half of it in taxes. Um, so it's, uh, that's something that he's thought of. It. Um, we've been talking about is if he does 100% seller financing, at least for the first few years, um, and then you know, if you know, do three to five years, that's just by buying it directly from him on seller financing. And then later on trying to go for SBA funding to pay him off um, and then be paying back to the SBA and have him out of picture at that point. Right. Um, that it, and I figured it'd probably take about that time to clean the business up enough that it would be um, something that I could take to the SBA and actually be able to afford to make the payments on it. And it, it makes sense to the bank. The bank doesn't look at it like, yeah, like, you know, banking wise don't make any, don't, don't work. Um, that it, so, so the, the, the only saving grace this business has is the fact that it has all this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's asset intensive. So, yep. and a lot of the numbers on here are white, like they're, they're not yellow or green numbers. Like you, you yeah. know that these come from guesswork. Mm -hmm. So here's what I would say would be the only kind of deal that I would, I would suggest you, you look at for a business like this mm -hmm. is you say, okay, I'm going to pay you a certain amount of money for this business. And it would be some amount less than the value of the assets. Yeah. So just, just for round exaggerated numbers, let's say you took, half of the 3 million, you say, I'm going to buy this business for 1.5. Yep. And I would say you have to do seller financing for the entire amount. Mm -hmm. I, I would put a minimum annual payment. I would say, I will pay you at least, um, I don't know, like I would, I would initiate, like I'll pay you at least, you know, 50,000 a year. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you have control of the business, I would then start to go through the inventory and identify everything that doesn't rent out and start liquidating like crazy. Yeah. And, and just give them the money. Like, yep. like just, just start attacking that debt as, as, as aggressively as you can through liquidating yeah. uh, the portfolio of things that don't sell very much. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's probably all kinds of other ways you can tighten up this business and, and to get a more secure level of cash flow. Yeah. Our fleet replacement budget of 250 grand, you could probably, you know, pinch that a little bit in the first year or two, but you can't mm -hmm. pinch it forever. No, you just, you delay it. Right. You, you would just be deferring it to a bigger and bigger bill. Yeah. Which like, in the first year, you might be able to do it. In the first two years, you might be able to do it, but you can't do it forever. Yeah. Um, and then if you got that debt to him down, like over the first three years, if you paid paid half of it off mm -hmm. and you created some operational improvements and you had more transparent bookkeeping, mm -hmm. two, two years of good books is generally what a banker is going to want to see under yeah. your management. Mm -hmm. You could probably then get a loan to pay out the balance of his note. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the 1 million, 1.5 million that you, uh, you had talked about 
um, is the same number that him and I have tossed around is 1.5 to 2 is the one that every time I ask him for how much he wants for it, not how much it's worth, but how much does he want for it personally. This um, He's a big feeling guy. So how much does he feel? Oh, um, that's where he, he, he tends to, he goes all over the place, but he does tend to come back to 1.5 to 2 million. That's the, the most consistent vibe I have gotten from him. Okay. Um, but trying to nail him down on that one has been, amusing at times if it's like oh you know i, I talked to this guy or listen to something oh you do this this and this you end up with like seven and a half million i'm like uh no but yeah, but then he's like oh but you, got, you whittle it down from there like where do you end up oh i don't know but he goes off on some tangent um but i that's my like my um like the letter of intent that i've been working on that's where i got the they put in the 1.5 million in there is kind of a is what i would offer him as a starting value of okay this is where I see it based on the numbers that I have and the my in- impression of the business, the assets as they sit. Here's what I would offer you, and the terms that I would I would be looking for, and then you know see is okay. Do you have anything that you can get show me to dispute what I'm seeing, like to you know push these numbers in one direction or another? Because um, he might have more records in the. I am aware of, uh, but I think most of them are in his head and not anywhere that he could actually be able to prove them. Well, you you sent me your business plan and I didn't have time to read it thoroughly, but mm-hmm. one of the things that you need to be very cognizant of is that, you know, this will be an asset purchase. You don't want to own the shares of his stock or anything like that because of all of the shenanigans he's been doing with the way he keeps books and taxes and all that kind of stuff. You don't want to be attached to that in any way. Mm-hmm. So, so you really are starting your own new business and okay. requiring from him the fleet of stuff that you're going to rent out. Right? Okay. So, yeah. so if you think about it that way, it's a very clear transaction. I'm buying a whole lot of stuff and, and the inventory in the shop of your personal protection equipment, all that kind of stuff, sandpaper and things. You're yeah. just buying that stuff and you're starting your own business, even though it may have the same name as far as the public is concerned. It's, yeah. it's going to be a new business. So you're going to be starting your books from scratch. You're going to be doing things properly by the book. You're going to get help from a bookkeeper or accountant, right? To make sure things are set up and functioning properly. Yeah. And and a lot of these numbers that we don't really have a good handle on, you they will evolve and become clearer for you over time. Mm-hmm. And And- the only reason I'm saying to do a deal like this at all with this low level of transparency is because you're buying a ton of stuff that actually holds value. Yeah. There's enough collateral to protect the risk. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. I've I've definitely, I've thought about this. Okay. But I want to do it as a share purchase or an asset purchase. And I've kind of bounced back and forth. Like, because we do have, you know, some contracts and some accounts that would be nice to be able to maintain those, but they wouldn't be that hard to restart. Um, Cause we're a, a distributor for a lot of different product lines. Okay. And it's like, okay, then, you know, I feel like it'd be nice to maintain those, but I don't know, you know, is it worth trying to maintain those at the expense of like, you know, keep uh, acquiring some of the liabilities from his, his games he has played. And, you know, is it just cleaner to start over and recreate those relationships? Yeah. I wouldn't want this entity. And I don't think you should buy it. Um, yeah. And the nice thing about businesses like this is because you've got a constant flow of handyman and small contractors and homeowners going through there, 
yeah. when, you, when you decide to start liquidating stuff, I mean, you can sell it yourself and you can get a pretty good dollar for it, even though it'll be perceived as a discount. You don't really have to liquidate like with an auctioneer kind of stuff. You, yeah. You can get a pretty good price for the used stuff that you want to sell. Yeah. And I would there guess most of the stuff you have is like contractor grade, like heavier duty than what normal homeowners would, would uh, own as far as like tools and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's, we got, we have always have customers coming in trying to buy stuff from us that they've rented it enough. I would just want to buy it from you. But, and it used to be that if we could get a replacement for it, we'd sell it to them and then replace it. But lates have been too hard to replace anything. So trying to turn it over has been a, a challenge just to kind of, can't sell what we can't replace and and that is going to be changing and especially you know people are saying we're heading into a recession um, yeah. if we do what it means is that demand for a lot of things is going to be disappearing so a recession yeah. is going to potentially be a, a really good fix for supply chain problems yes because there's suddenly going to be the availability of everything yeah right because a lot of buyers will leave the market uh, yeah. whoever the consumers are you know like if, if contractors are buying up the tools you're trying to get, well, if there's no more big buildings being started, then those contractors aren't going to be buying those tools, right? Yeah. Yep. In That's fact, a... if contractors someplace go out of business, it might be worthwhile for you to start making some auction pilgrimages to some bigger centers to to acquire some of this stuff. Yep. That's uh, it. Yeah. With rental, it's kind of a weird thing because in a recession, if the contractors sell everything, but then they get a job and they need a tool, where do they come? They come to the rental places. Um, so rental, like the rental yard we've gone, like he started this whole business in 08 during the last big recession. And he was able to start a startup rental business during the, the you know, the bottom of the depression, the recession and did, you know, and survived, which, you know, and it's, I feel like this, you know, if we go into, you know, when we go into another recession, it's going to be similar. It's that, you know, it hurts initially, but then, you know, as things pick back up coming out of it, people need stuff and if they can't afford to buy it. They've, they'll, they'll come renting it until they can build back up. Well, there's there's two things at play here. It's the the contractors who need something for a job, but they don't want to, their cash is precious, right? They don't want to spend all their money to buy the tool themselves. So they're going to rent. Yeah. But, but then there are the people who find themselves unemployed and they're like, you know what? I'm going to have benefits for the next little while. Maybe it's time to work on that project in the backyard I've been putting off, right? And so people also all of a sudden have time on their hands and they're yep. willing to take on things on their own. And yep. so DIYers probably come out and, and rent more tools and things uh, than, than before when they were busy. We saw that in, a, in 2020 when everyone was staying home. Right. And they now had to see that they really people realize that grass actually does die off in the winter. All those honeydew projects that they've been putting off had to stare them in the face. Normally, we average about 700 new customers a year. In 2020, we hit 1,900, almost 2,000 customer new customers. Wow! I mean, it was just we saw this spike in new customers and a drop off in in a like the contractor side. But it was just everyone was getting given free money by the government and time to do projects, and it was it was the wildest thing. We we were setting just record years because it was everyone had time and money to do things and it's it was it was the weirdest thing to see just like on the like looking at the numbers of it it's like okay those those years kind of they throw all the, the 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 trend lines all sorts of off all right 
Well, did I did I give you some help today? Was I was this oh, fruitful yeah. for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you got the the there's the EBIT, SDE, all that sort of stuff that I'd been I'd been kept playing with the numbers and shuffling things between the columns and like, okay. I kept, you know, I was like, oh, does it no, yes, no, I'm debating with myself what to do. So it definitely cleared up some of the what numbers to put in in the column or take out of the column in some cases to see yeah. where that number what and, and the final number actually is and what I'm going for. With with businesses like these, you've got, you know, sometimes they're leasing pieces of equipment to add to their fleet, sometimes they're borrowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways things are getting in and they show up in different places in the financial statements. And the what what I've figured is the easiest way to do is just to to add back all of those different costs and expenses related to new stuff and then just create a budget based on some logic that makes sense as yeah. far as you know replacing the the stuff mm-hmm. uh, we'll call it um and and really you know a business like this is it's like um it's like rental property except if you were trying to rent an apartment in a building that just slowly uh disintegrated over uh six years right <laughs> it's, it's like it's like how would you get enough rents collected to make it worth the investment. Right. And and that's the challenge that you have here because you've got this stuff yeah. that you pay, you know, expensive things that you pay good money for and you just yeah. have to get it. And you have to get, you're, you're fighting against the thing wearing out that thing's natural lifespan to yeah. try to get all your money back and cover your overheads and make some profit out of that thing and earn back enough money to get to buy its successor. Yep. Right? And yeah. so, you know, if anyone out there has ever wondered, why do I have to pay $30 to rent something that costs $300 for a weekend? This is why. Like yep. these guys have to make a lot of rent out of that thing in yeah. order for the business to survive and replace the thing. Uh, and then, as you said, some of these things have wearable parts and things that have to be replaced too. Yeah, like a, a tractor has about a 12-month lifespan because they're going to go out and mow fields with them and blow the engine up. That's a, probably the shortest lifespan of the, in, on one of the most expensive things. Yeah. Well, that's where the express, the expression drive it like a rented mule comes from, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get a lot of customers that come in and rent things that they own because they don't want to break theirs. Yeah, that's pretty telling. Yeah, it's uh, it's painful when they do it. It's like, oh, why? <laughs> but, you know part of the business it's what we do so all right troy well thanks very much for for reaching out and doing one of these calls i know that other people are going to really enjoy listening and uh and watching this one yeah and i was hoping it, you know other people get some some uh value out of seeing some a real world example of someone uh, trying to go through a one of these transactions so hopefully other people will uh, learn something from it awesome enjoy so, thank your day. you very much for all your uh, input have a great holiday season. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.